0: Just a couple of days ago, we lost the Islamic scholar Mulana Wahiduddin Khan. He was a very well known figure in the Indian subcontinent and uh, he's lived all his life in India, seen it before and after the independence, talked about the Muslim society a lot, at times critically at times with great affection but he was an important figure because he tried to build that bridge between the Muslims and the non-Muslims and uh, I feel that is something we really need in this day and age wherever you're living today whether in Europe, Indian subcontinent, Asia, America, Africa the conversation on Islam and Muslims is everywhere some point out that there is Islamophobia in the society and Muslims are being discriminated against and some claim that uh, Muslims themselves They have been responsible for a lot of violence around the world today. So we always find these two extreme versions. One says the Muslims are the oppressors. The other says Muslims are the victims. And as we all know, the truth is somewhere in between. There are so many shades of grey. But one thing we can agree upon is that there is a lot of growing difference and polarization when it comes to the relationship of Muslims and non-Muslims and you can blame anybody you want but that remains the truth now in that context the role of an activist peace activist somebody like Molana Wahiduddin Khan it's very important because we know we need those voices we need those reformist voices, people who can explain that uh, Islam does not preach violence and if there is any interpretation, it should be condemned. So that's why at times even Wahiduddin Khan was criticized for his critical examination on Islam and particularly the Muslim world. And as I said, these are really difficult conversations, but we need to have. So, as a as a tribute to Mulana Wahiduddin Khan, I'm going to read certain excerpts from his book called "The Age of Peace," and I'm going to read from the section where he's talking about the Muslim world in particular. So, let me start with this section called. The case of present day Muslims It is said that Muslims all over the world are engaged in violence. Some Muslims are engaged in passive violence while others are engaged in active violence. Just thinking in extremist terms may be described as passive violence while adopting the gun culture may be described as active violence. This phenomenon pertains to Muslim practices and has nothing whatsoever to do with Islamic teachings. The fact is that, according to the Quran, Muslims are witnesses of God before mankind. It was the same duty as was given to the Jews, as the Bible says, Therefore, you are my witnesses, said the Lord. In chapter 3 of the Quran, this fact is set forth in these words God made a covenant with those who were given the book to make it known to people and not conceal it but they cast it behind their backs and bartered it for a paltry price The Jews were the people of the book but in the later period of their history they completely forgot their duty and discarded the concept of being witnesses they replaced it with the concept of Jewish supremacism Exactly the same has happened with the Muslims. They now think in terms of Muslim supremacism. The Muslim thought that developed in the later period of Muslim history all stemmed from this notion of Muslim supremacism. Muslim literature of later days, directly or indirectly, projects this concept in a major way. And it is a concept which has been revived in modern times with even greater emphasis by two Muslim thinkers, the Egyptian Sayyid Qutb in the Arab world and the Pakistani Sayyid Abul Allah Madudi In the non-Arab world, it is this concept popularized in the present century which has ultimately led to terrorism in the name of Jihad, Jihad which literally means utmost struggle The true interpretation of this word is a peaceful struggle for the dissemination of the message of God to mankind. The present-day Muslim militants have adopted a self-styled concept of Jihad that is to establish divine rule in the world, and have chosen to give their militancy religious justification by calling it Jihad. This is why the present Muslim militancy has gained so much ground. In other words its proponents look upon it and project it as justified militancy or militancy based on ideology. To discharge this duty they have by their way of it given legitimacy to all forms of violence even suicide bombing. In the present day suicide bombing is a unique and terrible manifestation of violence. The deadliest instance of such violence took place in New York, commonly referred to as 9-11, when the famous twin towers of the World Trade Center were destroyed by a group of Muslim militants. They hijacked four passenger airplanes, two of which were flown into the towers of the WTC. The attack resulted in the death of about 3,000 people and brought down the 110-storey buildings, besides causing severe damage to surrounding buildings and structures. It is apparent that Muslims top the list of those using such deadly methods of suicide bombing. Yet suicide is completely forbidden in Islam. According to a tradition recorded in Sahih al-Bukhari, a Muslim having been badly injured in a battle could not bear the consequent pain so he killed himself with his own sword. This was the first case of suicide in Islam. The Prophet said of this person to his companions that he would be among the people of hell. According to Islamic texts, suicide is clearly an unlawful act. This being so, how has it come about that Muslims have established large organizations which train young people to carry out such suicide attacks? A great amount of funding is required for such activities. And it is Muslims who are funding them. Thus, in this organized activity, the whole Muslim community, directly or indirectly involved. A saying of the Lebanese- American writer Khalil Gibran applies in this case: "A leaf does not fall without the silent consent of the tree. The root cause of suicide bombing is that in present times, the Muslim community has come to think of the world as being divided between Muslims and Kafirs, that is, Muslims and non-believers. That there are Muslims and everyone else is a Kafir. That the countries ruled by Muslims are Darus Salam, which is land of Islam, whereas the countries ruled by people other than Muslims are Darul Kufr, that is land of disbelief. Due to this mindset, Muslims think that any heinous act may be perpetrated with impunity against supposed disbelievers. It is because of this negative mentality of the Muslims of the present day that the ulema or Muslim scholars have become emboldened to publicly declare suicide bombing as lawful, an act which has always been unlawful in the absolute sense. Moreover, there are certain Muslim scholars who have gone to the extent of openly issuing fatwas or verdicts claiming that suicide is lawful. They have coined a new term, istishad, to seek martyrdom, to give justification for suicide bombing. Such fatwas are undoubtedly wrong. And it is strange that the entire community of religious scholars has not openly condemned this patently wrong fatwa. So as you see, Maulana Wahiduddin Khan is being critical of how Muslims themselves have weaponized their religion. And subsequently in the book he goes deeper into the mindset. The mindset that kind of rules many Muslim societies across the world. So in one of the chapters, which is called The Unfinished Agenda, he says, The chief of army staff of the Pakistan army, General Rahil Sharif, addressing a conference at the National Defense University in Islamabad, Pakistan on June 3rd, 2015, said that Pakistan and Kashmir were inseparable and that Kashmir was an unfinished agenda of partition. The above statement of the Pakistani general tells us much about the Muslim mind of the present times. It is symbolic of why all Muslims all over the world are engaged in violence, some being actively involved, while others think along those same lines. Apparently, there are different groups within the Muslim community, but they all have one thing in common. That is, every group has an unfinished agenda, which it, which is actively engaged in trying to achieve. The motivation to strive for this task begins first at the level of the mind, then is soon verbalized in the form of complaints and protests. Finally, it takes the form of violence. What is this unfinished agenda? For some Muslims, it is the unfinished agenda of Pakistan. For others, it is the unfinished agenda of Palestine. For others, it is the unfinished agenda of the Khilafat. And yet for others, it is the unfinished agenda of the Sharia. These are the unfinished agendas for which Muslims of the present times are fighting against supposed enemies. Yet, even after a long passage of time, none of these groups have been successful in achieving its declared goal. Why has there been this failure? A verse from the Quran throws light on this matter. It says, you will overcome them if you are indeed believers. There are many such verses in the Quran which tell us that success in this world is for one who follows the law of nature set by the Creator. Those who go against the law of nature can never be successful in their endeavors. The law of nature applies to everyone be it Muslims or any other group. According to the law of nature, a universal principle is that in this world political power cannot be the monopoly of any particular group, it will sometimes be in the hands of one group and at other times in the hands of some other group. This principle is stated more than once in the Quran and according to this principle not being able to achieve one's goal in spite of resorting to war shows that one has been engaged in a wrong war trying to achieve something which according to divine law was impossible to achieve. In such a situation beginning a war may be permissible for a group But continuing with war is not at all justifiable. At the same time, war is not a new phenomenon. It has always been a part of human history. In the very first generation of man fighting broke out between Adam's two sons and as a result Abel was killed by his brother Cain. Fighting has continued since then in every group and nation. But we learn from history that every period of conflict has its end. It has always had a limited span. There is no battle which has raged indefinitely. Even the first and second world wars were fought for limited periods of time. But the case of the Muslim community appears to be totally different. We learn from history that once a battle is waged in the Muslim Ummah, it never comes to a halt. There is a saying of the Prophet, in the nature of a prediction, which has proved to be entirely right. It says, when the sword enters the ranks of my Ummah, it will never be taken away. In this respect, Muslims have become an exceptional community. A deeper analysis of this matter shows that the reason for this is a justification having been found for violence, that is, violence has been legitimized by religious law. Since sacred law is unchangeable, the violence which is held justified by it allows no room for revision. What is this justified violence? It is the preparation of violence in the name of Islamic Jihad. In Muslim history, all battles were fought in the name of Jihad. And the traditional concept of Islamic Jihad is that success awaits one in the either of the two situations, in the case of victory as well as defeat. If they are victorious, Muslims who engage in Jihad gain worldly terms and in the case of defeat and death, they become martyrs and go straight to paradise. Properly speaking, in Islam, Jihad in the sense of Qatil or war is undertaken only in defence. Since defence is a matter only for the state, it takes place infrequently. All those Muslim activists who are engaged in war in the name of Islam are non-state actors. No established Muslim state is involved in this act. The nature of this present violence is in itself un-Islamic. It is an accepted principle of Islam that to declare war is the prerogative of an established state. And according to this principle all those muslim mujahideen who are engaged in war have no justification to do so in islam such people unilaterally or unconditionally abandon all their activities and adopt totally peaceful methods so this is how the book goes and as you can notice his criticizing is criticizing those who are using making use of uh, religion to justify their violence, and is in very clear and strict terms condemning it and It is entirely up to us, whether Muslims or non muslims to to have discussions on this subject and spread this idea everywhere because unless we do that, we're going to have a lot of troubles and religious violence all over the world and uh, People will justify it in the name of religion and we do not want that. We would want more sane voices just like Molana Wahiduddin Khan to continue this peace project to make this world a better place.